Thanks so much for listening to the Benefits Breakdown. Stay tuned until the end of our next episode titled International Benefits to receive that code for Sherm Credit. Now enjoy the episode. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Benefits Breakdown. This is Vanessa Longnecker, and I'm here with... Hey, everybody. How you doing? It's Jared Bocut, and we are super excited today to be joined by two of our amazing teammates from our population health team, Jared Hansen and Kelly Polinski. Jared, why don't you introduce yourself first and let the audience know a little bit about you, and maybe at the end of your introduction, tell us something fun you like to do, and then Kelly, you can follow that up. That sounds great. Uh, thanks for having me. So uh, my name is Jared Hansen. Um, I am a population health consultant, and I have a master's degree in spatial analytics for population health. Uh, I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, love hiking and fishing. And my name is Kelly Polinski. I'm also a population health consultant and very honored that I get to work with the likes of Jared Hansen on our team. Um, and I am in Massachusetts. And you always like to throw me a curveball at the last second there, Jared Bokett, what I like to do for fun. <laughs> You got to keep it on your um, toes, Kelly. Come on. I like attending children's birthday parties on the weekends, and that is a lot of. <laughs> that shows the age of what you got going yes. on in your household. There's your social determinants. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which we're going to get into today. Which I um, I have a degree in public health, and so I get really excited when we get to talk about social determinants. And there's a lot of buzz around social determinants of health right now. Um, there is this adage that zip code matters just as much as your genetic code when you're talking about your health and your health outcomes. And I'm, I'm so happy that this is a topic that we're seeing more interest and attention to with employers as we're talking about it. But I also think this is an opportunity to really define what we're talking about when we're talking about social determinants of health because it gets kind of tossed around a lot. So social determinants of health are the external conditions in the environment that affect a wide range of, of health issues and functioning, your quality of life and your outcomes and, and your risks. And they include especially five things that um, impact you know, what socioeconomic status somebody's born into, what they eat, where they learn, work, live, pray, and play. So those, uh, those five domains are, number one, economic stability, two, education, access, and quality of care, uh, three, health care access, and number four, the neighborhood and the built environment, and number five, social community. So because these determinants impact health, they're also drivers of health disparities and health inequities. So every everybody has social determinants of health, right? We all have some versions of those five things that impact our day-to-day -day and how we live and, and our health. But people that don't have the better access to higher quality versions of those things are going to be at a disadvantage. So disproportionately lower socioeconomic groups have greater disparities due to social determinants of health. And then this raises the question, okay, what's an employer to do? And the, the first thing we want to say is, well, you, first you need to pay attention to them. And then as you start to learn about the social determinants of health that are impacting your employee populations, now you have an opportunity to reduce those disparities and create equity, right? To create equal opportunity in achieving health and, and good outcomes. But you have to know what they are before you can start to 
solve for them. And because so many of them are based on, as we said at the beginning, zip code and where you live, that's where this concept of spatial analytics comes in. And we are now, I think, just at the precipice of really applying this broad, very intricate, detailed, and exciting field in the employee benefits and population health space, which is why I'm so glad we have people like Jared Hansen who have a deeper understanding of these to help educate us and uh, and direct our, our interventions that we can be doing with employees. Awesome. I know the 2022 Business Group on Health survey of large employers, most employers, as indicated, feel like they're addressing some aspects or areas of social determinant on health, right? That first among them being that access and the second financial and economic stability. But if we were to take that and peel that onion back a little bit further, right? How do I, as an employer, really start to think about this and apply potentially some of these spatial analytic conversations you're referencing? Um, You know, I think think that's a great question. It, it, It has a lot to do with understanding your population and and knowing more about them we we learn quite a bit about our populations through through our claims and you know to, to really to really understand that I think it's more important to to touch on where we are now before we can talk about where we want to go uh, you know typically we're looking at claims data we do it from a, a very retrospective point of view we we Use it to determine future risks, behaviors, outcomes. Um, but when you start to include location-specific data, you know, with the right tools, we're able to start doing risk analyses. And with that data, um, we can consider outside influences that are purely linked to just location, such as some of the social determinants that Kelly mentioned, like access to care, access to healthy foods, um, access to community resources, uh, disease specialists that are maybe directly related to a location's specific condition prevalence rates and their risks and all of those other contributing factors. When an employer starts to monitor these things, I'm curious to know things that they can do to help control them for their populations and things that you've seen that that our clients are doing or that you've seen impact these particular things. Because I I think this is new ground for a lot of employers that think that they're going to have an impact on some of these external factors in someone's life and how they can help improve some of these social determinants that historically, I don't think employers have ever thought of how they're impacting and what they can do to have that type of impact for their employees. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. You know, and, and that's, the, that's the world of population health. That's where wellness wanted to be 10 years ago, and that's where population health is starting to enter now. Uh, we're taking into account the entire population, uh, not only the healthy that we want to keep healthy, but also you know, the sick and the people who are dealing with chronic conditions. And that's where we, we want to understand the community better because there are programs out there. There are nonprofit organizations. Um, there are government-funded things that are uh, providing better transportation to local clinics, free clinics, local hospitals, um, disease prevention, uh, d- diabetes prevention programs, those things uh, like that. Those are the things that organizations need to be more aware of within the area where their employees are located. And I'll add on, I think that by doing spatial analysis and evaluating for inequities, an employer can get more precise with the interventions that they're offering. So we are moving towards a future of much more personalized and precision 
medicine and intervention, and that applies in, in population health as well. And an example I like to use is that of virtual and telehealth, which many people are very receptive to and interestingly, uh, oftentimes lower socioeconomic groups. Uh, sometimes people say, oh, well, maybe they don't have the technology or they're not going to be as comfortable with it. But oftentimes those that are in those groups may have harder time accessing care uh, in you know real life terms. So either those in more rural populations where there is there are not very many providers in their area, especially when you get into certain specialists and, and conditions, or even those in urban areas where their option for transportation is typically public transportation and it can take several hours to get to a clinic. And that can take two to three hours of their day. And if these people are working on hourly wage-based positions, then that is lost income. So you're asking them to make very hard decisions about, you know, do I take three hours of my day to go see a doctor away across town or do I keep earning and, and working? So offering telehealth and virtual medicine options, especially virtual primary care, to those groups, and maybe more exclusively to those groups, makes more sense. So I think um, by incorporating that those spatial components into your analysis, right, you can get more precise with who gets what, so that we're creating that equal opportunity and equity and access to care. Interesting, right? I mean, obviously, we've all seen a significant acceleration of virtual care delivery models. But I think you hit the nail on the head there when you say, I mean, it is real life care delivery, right? It, it, the, the barriers and access to care have been broken down in new ways, but it's the visibility, the functionality, the learning, the education, where maybe some of these spatial analytics can provide targeted pathways to add lift. Excellent. Obviously, we see other things, and I'm sure, right, your team uh, would equally avail that, you know, home-based test kits, very targeted preventative care measures. We're in a place where care delivery models have morphed so significantly, particularly post-COVID, right, climate. Oftentimes, it's easy to think in your traditional lens, but there are some really unique things employers are doing with these results to drive better outcomes. Yeah, definitely. And I think the first one of the first things that employers are starting to ask is to be in including these fields of data. Uh, so there's a lot that we can do. And I'll ask uh, Jared to say more about exactly what it is. Maybe he does because it's beyond me. But there's a lot we can do with a census file, right? We can understand the overall demographics and some basics around the population, which is very helpful information. We can do a lot now based on their, you know, their their zip code and where they live and how that impacts uh, their health. But more and more, the employers are starting to ask the carriers, we want you to include answers to these questions too, right? Do, what is their uh, race and ethnicity? What is their preferred language? Um, and incorporating new fields that are going to help us further that analysis and again, get more more precise about what we can do for people based on those variables. So I, I want to tee this up for Jared a little bit. The Jared guest, by the way, everyone listening is way smarter than the Jared host. <laughs> Double <laughs> so J's. I'm glad house. that there's a smarter Jared in the world. Let's just say that. I always want to leave our audience with some things. So Jared, if, if I'm a mid-market employer, 
and I'm hearing some of these things and I've heard the social determinants of health and I'm thinking, man, this would be so cool if I could have an impact with my people like this because I think so much of our audience out there is an is HR audience who really cares about their people. And when you're talking about details like this, you're really having an impact on people's lives and you're really trying to help them in every aspect of their life, right? When you're focusing on these type of details that we're talking about today, what are some things that you would say are some best practices for that mid-market employer to start with as they're starting to focus on spatial analytics and the social determinants and health and really have an impact on their population? Where should they start and then where can they go? That's a, that's the golden question, right? Um, I, I think the the best thing that we can do is really expand the way that we think. Um, know that that your claims data is not just uh, it's not the ending point, right? We I, I had mentioned earlier that this is a very retroactive um, thing that we're looking at, and and we really should look at this more at, as a starting point. The more we can change the mindset of that, the better we can start. Uh, we can start looking at outside resources. Um, you know, there's a lot more useful data out there. We can build. Uh, we can use this to build a business case that we need to uh, to start building a broader picture. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, we can start segmenting our population by specific needs, by specific conditions. Um, we can be more precise and, and better allocate our resources and our funding. Uh, you know, for example, if we've got heart disease as one of our driving factors, let's start looking at not only what type of virtual resources are out there, but let's start looking at where do our where do our employees live? What type of centers of excellence are located in those areas? Uh, you know, and start to make the connections from from these what we call outcomes to. You know, what are these contributing factors? How do we prevent this? How do we treat this? And how do we make more precise recommendations? So, you know, to, an to answer that question, where do we start? We start by really opening our minds and, and, and looking outside of the typical data sets that we receive from the carriers. And we start uh, being a little bit more proactive with our approach. And I'll, I'll piggyback on that and say those outside sources of data sometimes come from, you know, publicly funded and, and federal programs like the CDC. You may have heard of them. Uh, and they have a national health and nutrition examination survey that they conduct on, a like I think, every two-year basis. And so there are just gobs of data out there on what's happening on local levels and how it's impacting health, as well as uh, the behavioral risk factor surveillance system or BRFSS, those, if we can overlay those sources of data with the information we're getting from, from claims, we get a much broader, bigger picture. And again, having come from that public health world, I'm aware of community-based programs, state-funded programs that have this similar end goal of we want health equity, we want a better health for all just as the employers do, but we're not talking to each other. So this is one step towards, can we create more coordination? Can we help point people towards community-based resources that the employers themselves probably don't know are right outside their doors? I love it. All too often in the marketplace, there's point solutions and excess fees and intervention fees. And what we're articulating is that 
you know, in some cases, by all means, those may make sense for the right audience based on your analytics and your findings, your true population needs. But in other cases, there are abundant resources that are already locally and readily available that we need to build awareness around. So it's tapping into those networks and resources in new ways to serve your unique needs. Excellent stuff, team. Really, really appreciate that. I think it's amazing. This is going to be an easier sell for HR, right? When you're saying, hey, Mr. CFO, we're looking to do this program, but it's not going to cost us because we're going to use resources that are already available in the community. And to bring a solution like that to the organization and say, hey, we're going to partner with what we already have, as was illustrated, whether it be virtual primary care or telemedicine or whatever solution you're using today, along with our healthcare plan, and then look to some resources that are being provided by the government to help meet the people where they are based on their socioeconomic status and get them access to care. One of the things that we believe in very strongly at Brown & Brown is let's break down those barriers to care and get easy access to care for everybody. And I think people paying attention to these things is exactly what we're trying to do. Let's get access to care and meet the people where they are. So I love this. This is so impactful. Love to hear, Jared, where you see, or Kelly, things going from here. You know, I think... I think the possibilities really, really are endless. Um, it, it's you mentioned a lot about you know breaking down those barriers to care um, and, and understanding a population and really diving in and utilizing the the resources, the free resources that are in the community. Um, I think even more so uh, as we are able to understand the risks, we're going to be a lot more predictive. Uh, you know our the way we look at medical plans right now is is very actuarial. We're we're basing a lot of what we do on on historical data, and and we're predicting risk and cost. But what we're not predicting, and what we can predict with this type of data, is is we can predict behaviors that haven't happened yet based on where you live and some of the factors that affect you as a person just solely based on the communities that you live in. Now, you pair that type of data with, uh, with claims data, and not only are we going to know what type of risk has already hit the plan, but we're going to have a better idea of what you, know, you as an organization are pitted up against and what type of issues are going to be plaguing your, your medical plan moving forward. And, and that's the type of prediction that I think is, is the future. You know, we can be a lot more targeted with what we offer. We can be uh, a lot more proactive with putting programs in place or promoting resources that we know are going to be needed. It's just a matter of time. And I'll add what I'm hopeful that we'll see into the future is, is much more collaboration from employers and local resources and uh, various local sources of healthcare itself. And one of my favorite success stories actually comes out of Massachusetts that I like to hold up as an example of, you know, everybody can win. There's a local health system here in, in central Massachusetts where I am, and they were looking to expand their presence in the community with primary care clinics. There was likewise a real estate development firm in that same city that was looking to build new affordable housing. And I know regulations vary from state to state, but in in Massachusetts, there's um, Section 8 and they need to build affordable housing at a certain rate um, along with other housing. And so the 
healthcare system, which had community-based data and knew where there was the greatest need based on um, something called the Area Deprivation Index, was able to map out where in the city down to a census block needed healthcare. And so they partnered with this real estate firm to develop housing in that area along with a community clinic, with a pharmacy, with a community center. And there's a role for the employer in those kinds of partnerships, right? That's a source of of talent and workers. And that's such an opportunity to build and improve the states where you have a presence. And so I, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll see more success stories like that across, you know, nonprofits, local hospitals and employers coming into that, that mix. Um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't add in a plug for one of my, I think, favorite and unsung uh, resources, which is findhelp.org. And it's a, a website that is a collection of community-based resources where you can type in your zip code and it will say, you know, what do you need? Do you, you know, are, are you food insecure? Do you need financial support? Do you need transportation? And down to the zip code, it will tell you what's available uh, in your community. And that can be leveraged and even customized to employers as well. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, team. Love where this conversation is headed. Certainly value every ounce of your time and intel and ability to share that with our listeners here today. Without further ado, we we uh, owe you uh, an exit here, but absolutely welcome you a seat at the table as we look to the future. And thank you again for your time. That'll be a wrap on another episode of the Benefits Breakdown. Thank you. Thank you.